everyone. We're going to be learning tonight the sweet memory of our dear brother and dear friend who was uh, laid to rest today in Yerushalayim, Nachman Yerachmiel ben Aryeh Leib. He, just everyone should know, he has a chilek in every time we learn anything of uh, Rib Shlomo's Torah. He has a tremendous chilek in every single part of it. Mamash, mamash, mamash. So I want you to think about for a second what we're going to be, I want us to mamash put, ourself, put ourselves at the seat of Yaakov Avinu's bed. Because that's, that's the Parsha. Like the scene of the Parsha is really like that bedside, that moment that Yaakov Avinu is saying goodbye to his children. And the way that we learned the Parsha is that Yaakov Avinu, remember in the beginning, there's this whole thing with the hands. Then three first kids don't get brachas, they kind of get rebuke. And then he dies, and the brothers are scared Yosef's going to take revenge on, and he said, no, it's okay, it's all good. But if you, obviously that's just on the outside of it. On the inside of it, on the inside of it, it's so much deeper than that. It, it should, we should all live long in Bezrat Hashem for many, many more years, but if you've ever been by your own parents on their last, you know, the last will, their last moments of being able to share with you something. At that moment, they want to give you every, everything in the world. They want to tell you everything they could never tell you. They want to express to you everything they were, they were never able to express, for whatever the reasons were. In our parish, what we're going to learn it tonight is understanding, based on the Pesukim, what was Yaakov Avinu really saying specifically to Yosef Tzadik, specifically to Yosef Tzadik, but really, what was, what was he telling us, you and I, today, because that's how we have to learn the Parsha. And um, this, is a, this is like basically a, a two, two or three Ishbites put together, all wrapped up in his language, but I think that we'll see something that'll it'll show us that you can't read the Pshat the same afterwards. Because if you look at the Pshat, it says, Yaakov turns to Yosef, and he says, If I have found favor in your eyes, I'm begging you, don't bury me in Egypt. Sounds like a normal request, but it's a little bit weird. Why do, why do, why do fathers have to ask their children, if I, if I have found favor in your eye? Did you ever talk of that to your children? If I have favor in your, found favor in your eyes, will you please go and clean up your bed? Who talks like that? What's happening over here when Yaakov Avinu is saying these words, Don't bury me in Egypt. Look how Reb Shlomo takes this. Here Yaakov, is, Yaakov Avinu is asking Yosef, please don't bury me in Egypt, bury me in the Holy Land. And he says to him, If I have found grace in your eyes, please don't bury me in Egypt, bring me to the Holy Land. So let me ask you a very stupid question. <clears throat> is there any law about where you have to be buried? God spoke to us on Mount Sinai. He didn't mention any law about where you have to be buried. Are there any chukim about where you have to be buried? There's no, did anyone ever hear of a, of a halacha of where you have to be buried? Do you have to be buried in a Jewish cemetery? In the ground. I mean, you have to be buried in a ground and you should be buried in a Jewish cemetery, but in terms of land, location, there's no, there's no halacha of you have to... No, no, no. Def, I, what I mean is, is there any halacha about a country that you have to be buried in or not? No, mapitum. 
So why is Yaakov Avinu telling him, please don't bury me in, in, in Egypt? It's like back then to, you know, back then to carry someone from Egypt to, to Eretz Yisrael, it's not a simple bakasha at all. It's not at all cargo. No, it's not at all cargo. And by the way, we see that Yosef Tzadik went through the same thing where he makes them swear twice, pakot pakadati etchem, like a double taking on, you do not leave me in Egypt. And that's why when they're traveling through the desert, Yosef Tzadik is, is coffin is being carried by Moshe Rabbeinu. Beautiful midrash, but the night before they left Egypt, everyone's busy doing their thing, getting ready. Where's Moshe Rabbeinu? He's by the Nilus, by the Nile. Because the Egyptians knew about that swearing that Yosef Tzadik made people swear. So the midrash says they, they shackled his coffin. So it's, they put shackles on it and all this barzel, so it sunk to the bottom of the Nile. Because they knew that as long as he's there, they won't leave Egypt. Mm-hmm. So Yosef Atzadik, so Moshe Rabbeinu goes to the Nile and there's a whole medrash that says there was actually Serach Bat Asher. His, I guess that would be his niece. Right? Yeah. Yosef's niece, Serach Bat Asher, was the one that revealed to Moshe Rabbeinu the Be'erach location of where it was. And then there's a whole story, the... He, he screamed out, he said, you know, how long do you want to keep us here? And the coffin came up, v'chuleh. But, but really, there's, you know, that was Yosef's inyan. Hashem didn't tell him you have to take a shavuah that you're not going to be buried there. And Yaakov Avinu didn't have to take a shavuah. This is like their own inyan. Why was it so important for them not to be buried in, in, in Mitzrayim? What is the inyan about it? So again, let me ask you, very, okay, is there any law about where you have to be buried? God spoke to us on Mount Sinai. He didn't mention any, any law about where you have to be buried. See, on the level of right or wrong, it's meaningless. You die and then you're buried. But that's on the level of right or wrong. Meaning, I, could be, I don't have to be buried anywhere. There's no wrong place to be buried. But on a Mashiach level, I have got to be buried in the Holy Land. There was something else that Yaakov Avinu was trying to attach us to by telling him, I can't be buried in Mitzrayim. Now we know Mashiach consciousness is very heavy throughout this parsha. What's the most famous part of it? Mashiach consciousness in this parsha. Right. The Chazal tell us Rashi that that Yaakov Avinu gathered everyone together and said, "Come together. I'm about to reveal to you the end of days." And, he, and then at that moment, Nistalka and Menor Shchina, the Shchina was kind of taken from him, and he didn't get to say what we think he was about to say. Ki bless you. That's what it seems to be. That's what it seems to mean. On a Mashiach level, I've got to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. Let's understand what this is about. What about when it comes to friends? Do you think that it depends whether you treat each other right or wrong? There's something much deeper than that, than just being right or wrong with someone. Take a husband and wife. You think everything depends on right or wrong? You think a good marriage is if both of them do the right and that's all it takes for a marriage to work, that everyone, each side does the right thing all the time? I've seen people who do everything right and they're very deep in hell. I've seen people who do everything wrong and their marriage is so holy. <laughs> it takes more than that because it's much deeper than that. No, he, says these com- he says these things all the time. What do you think he means, the difference between a couple that does everything right and they can be in hell, and a couple that does everything wrong and they can be in Gan Eden? What is he, what is he referring to? What's right or wrong in the first relationship? 
What's right? In, what's like doing everything right? That's what I was thinking. What is right? What's wrong? Um, I don't know. Let's give some examples. What's right? Hi. Good morning. Oh. <laughs> Smiling, caring. Thank you. Being, right. Uh, doing things for each other. Right. Okay, so now what's wrong? <laughs> so what's wrong? <laughs> so what does it mean doing things wrong all the time? Yelling, being inconsiderate. Mm. So those aren't good things, right. Those aren't so much good things. No, those, I thought the wrong things. You're asking about the right, right. I'm saying, because I'm saying those are bad things, and yet he's saying, I know people that do everything wrong. I think what he means more is couples that are constantly making mistakes. They're not getting everything right. They're not remembering everything the right way. They're not on the ball with like how things should be and the person's favorite whatever. I got a call this week. Someone said, my husband is trying to just push my buttons. Why? Because he knows that I despise a certain color. That's the only thing he knows. And that's the only thing he bought me on Hanukkah was something with that color that he knows I hate. So where do you go? Where do you go? What are you going to do? Bless something. Come on. So that's like... Learn to like the color. Right. <laughs> Learn to like the color. That's very optimistic. <laughs> Don't be such a yuck. Yeah, I know. That, that situation is definitely a different one. It was probably Bidavka, but that's not the point. What I, think, what I think he's trying to point us to over here is that there's a teaching from Reb Shlomo Babar Mitzvah. It says that a father says, Baruch Shaptarani Me'on Shoshelazeh, when a kid becomes Bar Mitzvah. Bezrat Hashem, uh, I will know this in 12 years. Mm-hmm. You'll know it in a little bit less than that. Many of you have known that already. Baruch Shaptarani Me'on Shoshelazeh. And it's such a weird bracha. Does it really mean, oh, I'm so glad that my, the cheshbon of this kid's averas is off of mine. It's all you now. That's the moment you say, like what a high moment, the kid goes into a relationship with God, and he's like, this is it, it's all on you. So the way Rabbi Shlomo explained it was that, uh, God, you've, you've exempt me from this punishment, that it's been a punishment to a certain extent that my relationship with you till this age has been that I have to really just tell you what's right and what's wrong. Now I can tell you so much more about life. That it's so much more than just doing things right and doing things wrong. Do you understand now the context of right and wrong? Knowing everything right and knowing what not to do is good, but that's not, that cannot be the end game. That has to be just the intro. There has to be more than that. So Yaakov Avinu is saying, on the level of right or wrong, is anyone doing an Avera by being buried in Chutzlaretz? It's not Avera, the fact that someone's being buried in Chutzlaretz. Yaakov Avinu is trying to connect us to something deeper than just not doing an Avera. I have to do it, it's something more. Okay. Next paragraph, now listen to this. This portion is the last portion in the book of Bereshis. And Bereshis is the book of beginning, and this is the end of the beginning. That means that so far until this portion, everything is a beginning. Sefer Bereshit, it's the first. Everything's the first. And suddenly this whole portion talks about Yaakov Avinu's end. Yaakov Avinu wants to legalot et kids. He wanted to reveal to his children the end. But suddenly the spirit of prophecy left him. Do you know what a prophet is? A prophet can tell you what's right and what's wrong. 
A prophet is a holy man with a very high vision. He can tell you exactly what's right and what's wrong. But this is Maishir Rabbeinu is giving us the Torah on Mount Sinai and the Torah is on the level of prophecy. Moshe Rabbeinu was the highest Navi that we ever had. But it doesn't say anywhere that Mashiach will be a prophet, Dafka. I'm sure he will be a prophet, but this is not what makes Mashiach the Mashiach. The end is not about prophecy. It's much deeper than prophecy. It's very deep. This is very chazak. So Tomeret, that even, even the, like, Moshe Rabbeinu is the greatest Navi in the world. The Torah tells me what's right and what's wrong. But Mashiach, like Galotet Aket, the end of days, it's going to take more than just making sure I know what's right and what's wrong. It's connecting me to a world of relationship with Hashem that is much more than just Sur Merava Setov. There's something else that has to be part of this. Okay, so let's go back. What does it mean when Yaakov Avinu says to Yosef, if I have found chain in your eyes, if I have found grace? Grace is a very poor trans- translation, so just remember the word chain. I always ask, by the way, if anyone has any ideas, what else would be a good idea for the word chain in English? Here you see, used one of them, it's grace. What else would you say, ah, this person is bachain, they have chain? What's that? Favor is also a classic translation. Right, he found favor. I don't even know what that means in English in this context. He found favor in his eyes. What, actually, what does that mean? He's, he's uh, favor. Liked, he's It's very hard. Oh, there's another word that we... Uh, charm. I've heard charm mm-hmm. for chayn. Of charisma. that that Kindness. charms. Kind, chayn, vachesed. Yeah, it goes with that. Nachon. So he says, just stick to chayn. <laughs> if I find chayn in your eyes, then please don't bury me in Egypt, bury me in the Holy Land. So the Ishbitzer asks, why does Yaakov Avinu have to ask Yosef about chayn? Again, this is a father asking something from the son. Chain, please, if you find favor in your eyes. Yaakov Avinu is asking Yosef for a favor. But Yosef would do anything for his father Yaakov. Bury me in Israel, that's it. There's a law, you have to be buried, but to make a whole geshefta, where to be buried, who cares? So listen to this unbelievable thing. Now this is brought down by the Rishonim. You could see this in the parashan, this on the Torah. Our mother Rachel was buried right by the border of Israel, but not in Hebron. Isn't that amazing to say those words when you're like in between these two places? Right? Imagine learning this in, in, in Wyoming. Or... Right? Our mother Rachel was buried, nothing against Wyoming. They're doing great shlichas there, uh, that family. Right? Didn't you guys go there? Chani from Wyoming? Yeah. Our mother Rachel was buried right by the border of Israel, but not in Hebron. So Yaakov sensed Yosef being a little bit angry at him. Yosef mm. mm. didn't say he was angry, but Yaakov Avinu felt it. Yaakov could hear Yosef saying to him in his ear, you want me to bring you from Egypt all the way to Hebron to lie next to Avram and Yitzchak? And who else, by the way? Ra- Rachel? Uh, Leah? What about my mother? You didn't even bring her a few miles from Bethlehem to Hebron. So Yaakov senses, Rashi brings this out also, Yaakov senses 
this boy may have a taina because he knows where everyone kivyachol is being buried, laid to rest. I mean, his grand his grandparents and his great grandparents are buried there, right? Avram and Avram is his great grandfather. Sarah is his great. They're buried there. So he sent Yaakov senses he he may have a taina on me because of that I didn't do it. Um, now he explains. Let me explain it in a second. Do you know what it means to find chen in someone else's eyes? It means to be privileged, to be important to somebody. A lot of people are very beautiful, but they have no chen. You look at them, you see they're beautiful, and that's it. Some people have chen. You think children are just beautiful to their parents? They have chen. Children have this God-given holiness that they are important to their parents. If they wouldn't be utmost important to their parents, who could bear it? Now, what, what, is he, what, what is he connecting with over here? He's trying to reconnect Yosef to, rem- to, um, yeah, Yosef to remember that they had a special, special, special relationship. Now, it's true, it caused a lot of Mishigas, this special relationship. Basically, Yaakov Avinu, could, I think what he's trying to say here is that Yaakov, one reason that he says, I need to have Chayn, it's because maybe you're angry at me that I didn't bury your mother next to me, right? But trust me, she had to be buried where, where I buried her. Why? Because in the future, Jews are going to leave Galut. They're going to go into Galut through there. And kol baraman ishma nehi bechit hamlurim rachel mevaka albana veshavu banim ligvulam. Because basically, when we go out to Galut, they're going to have to pass by Kever Rachel. They're going to hear her crying. And one day they'll make it back because they're going to hear your mother's t- crying. That's one reason. Two, I think he's saying over here, maybe, I have to develop it a bit more. I'm sure it's brought down other places. Yaakov, Yaakov maybe sensed that Yosef resented the fact that he favored him when he was younger. Because look what ended up happening to him. What ended up, what, that the Yisrael, that chain was so shining when they were younger, which eventually caused them to have the whole kinan machloket and being thrown in a pit and whatever. And even though Yosef Tzadik was so happy that he was able to save Egypt and then also save Eretz Yisrael, Be'emet, inside, Yaakov was nervous. Do you, do you resent me for... for fa- mm-hmm. Now I understand favor, actually. Mm-hmm. For favoring, for, like, having too much chen, right? Maybe Yosef Tzadik was like, enough of this. I don't want that relationship at all with you. But Yaakov was saying, no, 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 please remember, it's, it, it was real and pure with good intentions. Can you still remember that I was really, that whole thing was just because you're so important to me. There's something special that we have. I'm sorry about the whole Mishigas that happened, but please don't let go of that special thing that we had between us. Okay, those are two different reasons why maybe Yaakov Avinu was saying, let me tell you something of the deepest depths. Until Yaakov Avinu passed away, the Holy Land belonged to us because God gave it to us. God gives it to me, and therefore it's right that this is my land. It belongs to me. On the level of right and wrong, it's my possession. When Yaakov said to Yosef, bury me in the Holy Land, you know what happened? He gave us the Holy Land on the level of chen. This is very deep. You understand what he said? This is very deep. I, 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 I'll read through the paragraph and we'll try to understand this. Suddenly it's something else. I just got to be there. Not because it's the right thing to do. I just got to be there. 
I can have 15 houses and they all belong to me, but it doesn't mean that they're important to me, so they belong to me. Mazel tov. On the level of a legal ownership. It's right, this is mine. Chain is something else. Chain is that something becomes precious and important to me. So you know Yaakov Avinu did? This special gift of Chain he gave to Yosef. Yosef Atzadik's holiness is that Mamish, everything is so precious. Give you a, a little bit of a, a better example. And this happens, unfortunately, all the time with Yerushot, with inheritance. Uh, you know, if, some, if someone inherits something after someone leaves the world, on what level do they inherit it? Do they inherit it because legally, maybe, let's say they're the Bechor, and they get first dibs, or let's say, whatever it is. That's one level of, being, of having something, because it megiali, according to the law, and even according to the halacha. Does that make it special to me? Not necessarily. When something I inherit because, it, because it's special to me, I taste the Yerusha on a much more special level. So Reb Shlomo is saying, up until this point, we were connected to Eretz Yisrael because Hashem said to Avravinu, Lech lecha l'artzacha, el ha'artz asher ar'eka. This is yours. Hashem said so, therefore it's mine. That's beautiful, but did it become precious to you, Bintaim? Did it become special to you? Did you connect yourself to the chain of Eretz Yisrael? Or you just think that it's yours because God said it's yours? So this whole world of Yaakov Avinu telling Yosef, and he uses the word chain regarding going back to Eretz Yisrael. He's saying, if you really want to inherit Eretz Yisrael, it's not enough that it's just that Hashem said, this is your land. You have to feel connected to it. You have to feel that it's special to you, which is what Yaakov Avinu was trying to display to Yosef HaTzadik. It's true, there's no halacha that I have to be buried in Eretz Yisrael, but how could I not? You know, whenever we get into the... whenever. Back in the days when people would travel, right? Whenever, when I would travel a lot to the States and I would get into these debates about mitzvah yeshuva aretz, if living in Eretz Yisrael is actually a mitzvah, and you know there's a machloket Ramban and Rambam regarding if it falls under one of the categories of a, of a mitzvah or not. It always the most, most, most bizarre thing in the world to me. Because am I in Eretz Yisrael because it's one of the mitzvahs? Let's say I hold that it's not one of the mitzvahs. So therefore What? Should it not be special to me? Hashem gave it to me. Is it not special to me? Is it only precious to me if, if it's right versus wrong? Or is it precious to me because it's so much deeper than just right versus wrong? Like I, I, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, like, forget about that argument, of whether it's one of the mitzvahs or not. If the Rebona Shleilam gave it to you, what does it matter? That's what I think he was saying before about right versus wrong. Is there any mitzvah that says you have to bring your wife flowers on Friday? None. Is there a mitzvah of making sure she has what she needs? Yes, because you have a ksuba. But who defines what she needs, right? Who defines that? So you could get a very, you know, checklist kind of order of what I think are the needs and everything is right. Don't you want to know what, what makes her feel special? Don't you want to connect to it on the preciousness Imagine a baby waking you up at night. Are you there yet? Are they just up? Yeah. So on the level of right or wrong, no, it's not going to work for me to get up now because 
According to my cheshbon, a healthy body needs seven solid hours of sleep. Right or wrong? A level of right or wrong? But that's like, what he's saying is, people have this relationship with Eretz Yisrael too, where it's like, mm, after the six million, is this even a conversation? Are we actually even having a conversation about the importance of how precious Eretz Yisrael is to you or not? It's crazy. Last night I saw a posting of a, someone freaking out over the fact that in Barclays, you know what Barclays is? Barclays is a um, basketball arena in, in Brooklyn where the Brooklyn Nets play. And of course, a lot, a lot of Yidin are there, go to these basketball games. And they're blown away by the kosher new, uh, food. That, like they're, saying, they're talking about, what a Kiddush Hashem, there's three Mariavs here, and there's, a, what a delicacy, what a gourmet... It's like I waved to the 18-year-old chayal that's guarding me as I, as I drove into Efrat through the machsam tonight, I'm thinking, wow, it's, you don't know how special your life could be if you were able to be at the Brooklyn Nets game eating kosher sausage, but instead you're sitting here in a bunk, you're sitting here cold with a gun protecting me. Right or wrong? You understand? Chaim. Zamash Acher. Yeah. Don't put me in the ground where the chain ain't happening. I'll not take burning the mitzvahim. That's it. So this is really what Yo. This is really Yaakov Avinu's parting speech. Yes, it's all the brachas he has to the shvatim and setting them up, and you know the the way that Chazal describe how each of the shvatim received exactly what they need to hear until Mashiach comes. That's all true on an individual level, but on a klal level, by saying to him, "I cannot be put in the ground that doesn't bring out chain," is re- to, I don't know when I read the parsha, to me that's what that's what really stands out. He's connecting us to Eretz Yisrael of Mashiach. Again, a prophet knows, can tells you, tells you, you're doing this right, you're doing this wrong. I need that. But a Mashiach is not about right or wrong. It's about Nesiyah's Chain. It's about having Chain. It's connecting to a completely different place. Look at the next paragraph, second to bottom. Now listen to this. Yosef HaTzadik's whole life was dedicated to not doing wrong. He's a Tzadik, Right? So Yaakov Avinu blesses him before passing away. I want to give you a gift. And everyone's like, no, you did that already. (laughs) Don't give him any gifts, bless you. That didn't work out good the last time. He's like, no, no, this is a different type of gift. I want to give you something you don't have yet. He's the tzaddik. He knows, what do you mean don't have yet? Everything's perfect. Now friends, nobody ever surpassed the holiness of Yosef. Absolutely nobody. But there is something deeper than this. Yaakov Avinu says to Yosef, I'm giving you the Holy Land on the level of Chain. Do you know what the Holy Land means to me? I've got to be buried there. And this, Reb Shlomo is saying, was the gift of all gifts to Yosef at Sadiq, telling him, look at you. You always did everything right. 
But life is more than just doing everything right. He's giving to Yosef a final gift. Do you know, you know, this is what we connected to in the beginning of the year. Do you know what a father is giving over to his children before he's passing away? You think a father is telling his children how to do right and how to not do wrong? It's very beautiful for Bar Mitzvah speech, but before you leave the world, you say something else. Before leaving this world, you connect your children to the end of days. You give them holiness of Chain, which is the deepest connection in the world. You see what it is? If legally the Holy Land belongs to me, only legally, then I can be buried in Greece. And when Mashiach is coming, I'll get out of my grave and take a ship or a plane and go to the Holy Land. But if the Holy Land belongs to me on level of Chain, I just got to be there. Why? Because I do. Why did you make Aliyah? Because I had to. Really, with the most important things in life, and you say, why? The answer is because you had to. My Rebbe told me with, with the shul, saying there's going to be a lot of stuff that you may want to do or not want to do. And people are going to have timers, and it's like this everywhere. He says, never get into halachic debates, because maybe, maybe on a halachic level, it's right or it's wrong. But then there's something much greater than right or wrong. It's, I just have to have this happen. Or I just can't have this happen. Meaning, it's more than that. There's a tam. See, if you only do things because legally they're right or they're wrong, you have no taste to what you're doing. There's no taste to it. People can come to make aliyah because of the legal rights, and there's no real taste in their aliyah. You understand? They, people can get married like that too. Because it's right. People bring children into the world also because it's right to bring in children, and it's wrong not to bring in children into the world. But we don't bring children into the world because it's right, and we don't get married because it's right, even though it is right. That's not the reason behind it. It's so much more. If I go to Shul on Shabbos because it's right, you could smell it. You could. It, it, it smells like that. Oh, yeah. Why? Because I do. I've seen married couples who get married with a few rubles and then they buy a house. So the house belongs to them on the level of right and wrong, meaning they legally own a home. I've seen people who've gotten married and live maybe in a little bungalow, but it's mamish, their house, and it's on the level of chen. And when you walk into that house, it's so holy. So I want to share the absolute deepest depths with you. According to the halacha, the Rambam Hilchos Gzela Veaveda, if I lose an object and I can't find it, there's a strong possibility that it stops belonging to me because I can't find it anyway. What is this? What sugi is this? Come on. Love Yeah. does. There's a whole sugi in the Gemara that says, when does something stop belonging to me? Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a complicated sugi, and it has to do with, that, uh, how do you say, this not desperation, but despair. Like when I give up on something. So he says, if I lose an object and I can't find it, there's a strong possibility that it stops belonging to me because I can't, I can't find it anyway. So I can't find it, I don't know where it is, so it doesn't belong to me anymore. This is only level of right or wrong. But imagine if something is so precious to me, I'll go to the end of the world until I'll find it. And even, even before I found it, it still belongs to me. So I want to say like this. Did Eretz Yisrael ever stop legally being ours? Never. 
When did Eretz Yisrael become ours on the level that's deeper than right or wrong in our Parsha? How could it be that for 2,000 years we never let go of what belonged to us? We didn't have it. But how did we have Koch to still believe that we're going to be back one day? Because Yaakov told Yosef, Im You hear? Yaakov connects Yosef to this level of being connected to Eretz Yisrael. And as long as you have that, even if you don't have Eretz Yisrael yet, you didn't give up. Because it belongs to you on a much deeper level than whoever in the world is ruling right now in the Holy Land. You all know that one of the worst, one of the horrible things, I, don't, I try not to mention this because it, it's really a, a, a bad thing, but I, I just was working on something last night and it came up. You know, the reform movement, especially in Germany in the, the 19th century, late, early 20th century, so one of, the, one of the really sad things that they did was they changed the sitter. Not about mothers and fathers and genders, not, not that stuff. But the thing that was the worst thing in the world is that they took out the words Tzion and Yerushalayim. But the in one place even went so far and said, You've heard this before. It's not a chedesh, right? You've heard this before. Yeah. In fact, there was a great, you ever hear of Leo Beck? Sure. So Leo Beck was a, a Yid, a reform Yid, a reform rabbi, I think, that ended up in, a, a, what's it called, Trenzenstadt? Terezenstadt, right? Hashem Yerachen. Hell. He was good friends with, he was friendly with Rib Shlomo's father even before the, the war. They were like, they knew each other from back in Berlin. And he said that when he was sitting there in, in, in the camp and he saw what was going on, he said the only thing that was in front of his face was that they changed the, the they took out Yerushalayim and Sion from the sitter. It's like right in front of him. Couldn't take it. It's almost like, so what I'm saying here is like, Anyone that still is still holding on, to even if things haven't happened yet, even legally, because it's like whatever, like I walk through a fraud sometimes. And honestly, as much as it's such a confusing nevua because it's so beautiful, but then you have these patches of land that are like, how come, how come we're not building on it? Because of these ridiculous legal uh, Shilas on exactly what, well, you have Josh, they'll just put trees over there and solve the whole issue and you know, save it for us. But it's just like, for instance, when you come into Efrat Darom, I, my whole, I've, I have these dreams since I first saw that land on the left side, you know, like beneath, like even before you get to the Geffen on the bottom, like that whole area, but also after, like in, in the beginning of the Geffen, there just some. It's like one day where it's going to be no problem to just do whatever we want in this whole place, but it's a shaila now of all these places that are kiviachol, so to speak, disputed or whatever this means. It's just waiting for eyes of chen to look at, to more and more eyes of chen to be on the land until we reconquer it, not just militarily, what was the problem of going in? It's no problem. But Hashem put these things and saying, Yaakov Avinu's bracha is still... So we should be Zohan. When we learn the Parsha this week, and we just read that one Pasuk, 
וואן פסוק. אם נא מצאתי חן בעיניך, אל נא תגברי ממצרים. יעקב אבינו is saying, this is the last parting gift I have for you. Everything could be right, everything could be wrong, but to really make it in life, and to really be connected to לגלות את הקץ, the revelation of the end of days, you, things that I gave you must become important to you. Things I've given you have to maintain a special specialty. And this happens, all, we, we're, we're, I was at a Levaya earlier today, and I had the really very heavy privilege of saying a Hesped for this very special person, who Chana Sara knew very well for many years. And his whole thing was giving kavod to people. Mamash, kavod. Always, always, always. But he didn't just give kavod to people. He gave kavod to privileges that he felt in his life of even being acquainted with Torah. That he honored the fact that he knew who Rabbi Nachman of Breslov was. And he honored it. He honored the fact that he knew who Rabbi Shlomo was and the Torah that comes with it. He gave kavod to it. The more you give kavod to something, the more the chen, I think, really does rise. So I give us a bracha to give us so much more kavod to our children. And the chen with our relationships will rise. And cover to each other, whatever it is. And we should be real, to real Talmidim of Yaakov Avinu. It's a nachala bli meitzarim. Yaakov Avinu's nachala is like endless. Bezrat Hashem, through all this chen, there'll be such a gush, gushing chen, we'll all meet each other with the ge'ul l'shtein of ha'amitit. Bimir Abi Aminu. Okay, b'shafach everyone. בפרש על חיזוק חזק חזק ונתחזק בפחין. בעזרת השם.